0: Praise God. We're going to turn to Daniel, the sixth chapter. You know, God has ways of confirming what he wants to preach, and uh, I thought, I I went to that breakfast yesterday morning, and I thought, sure, uh, Brother Chamberlain was going to steal all my sermon material. We're going to be looking at the sixth chapter, the whole thing, but... uh, I just want to start and read a portion of it to begin with. Hallelujah. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would uh, suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave uh, thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Man, oh man, what a testimony. What a testimony this guy had. Praise the Lord. Daniel was in captivity. Daniel was in Babylon. He had been there most of his life. Daniel was in captivity for around 68 years. He loved, lived under the reign of three kings and was about 85 years old at this time. He had had many severe trials and tribulations, temptations, but he was victorious. You know why? Because he had a, a different spirit. Hallelujah. And he overcame... Because he was faithful. It says he was faithful in everything. He was faithful. He was faithful to his God. He was faithful to his own conscience. And he was faithful to his fellow men. Hallelujah. I want to just uh, point out some things here. So I want you to notice, first of all, his integrity. Verse 5. Then these men said... We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. You know, when your enemies end up having the strongest testimony about you, you've got to be doing something right. These here were people who were trying to trap him. These were people who were trying to destroy him. And they couldn't find anything wrong with Daniel. His enemies gave witness to his purity. And as a man of prayer and faith, he was faultless before God. They couldn't find anything wrong with him, nothing to condemn him about. He, he conducted his business in a way that they, they found nothing wrong with it. If we're going to find something wrong with Daniel, we're going to have to find it in some other area other than in the workplace. Do you know one of the hardest places on earth to be a good witness? In the workplace. <laughs> Amen. And they couldn't find anything wrong with him. They said, and they were searching. How many know if, if somebody followed you around all day, every day, for a week, they'd find something wrong? Amen? I don't even think they'd have to follow me for a week. Boy, I'm telling you, God has a way of making the proud very humble. I did something Friday, I shouldn't have done. I saw this bus driver. He was making a real dangerous maneuver. And I thought it was a a new bus driver. And I thought, well, maybe the supervisor ought to know about it. I should have kept my mouth shut. (laughs) So I mentioned it. And then I got onto my bus, and my bus is all mud. So I want to wash it out. I pull it into the wash rack, I wash it all out, go to back it out and took the mirror right off the bus. God says, see, you're not such a hot driver either. But if someone follows you around long enough, they'll find something wrong. And here they are, they're looking for something in Daniel's life, and they can't find anything wrong with him. They said, look, if we, we're going to find anything wrong with this, Daniel, it's got to be in the laws concerning his God. And so they begin to set a trap for him. Notice his steadfastness here in verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, see, they had they had taken a uh, and made a a law that they weren't to pray to anyone for thirty days. You couldn't you couldn't pray to anyone but to to uh, Nebuchadnezzar or Darius to Darius. Couldn't pray to anybody but the king. And so when he knew it was signed, he went home. And in the upper room, with his windows open, not with the shades drawn, he didn't go somewhere in secret and try to get away with it. Hey, I just have a feeling that Daniel kind of knew what these guys were up to. I don't think he was stupid. I, th- I think he knew that they were out to hang him. And so what's he do? He decides, I'm going to trust God. I'll just continue worshiping my God anyway. And when we're in trouble, when, people, when the devil's out to get us, that's when we need to trust God. Amen? And these guys were out to get Daniel? But he was steadfast. You see, the whole plan was to have a law written in the Medes, uh, by the Medes and the Persians, which is unalterable. You can't change it. You may want to change it, but you can't. And so they set this trap for Daniel. And Daniel, knowing that he might be thrown into the lion's den, went ahead and prayed anyway. He could no more stop praying than he could stop breathing. Prayer had become a part of Daniel. He, I think he just enjoyed his fellowship with God so much. He'd done it for so many years that for him to stop was unthinkable. Hallelujah. He wasn't going to let anything come between him and God in this relationship that they had. Oh, that we were that sold out to prayer. Can you imagine what would happen if we got that sold out to prayer? Hallelujah. No wonder Daniel had so much power with God. Read the book of Daniel. That man had power with God. And I want to tell you, Lee, if you're going to go into the ministry, that's the first place to start. Get that relationship with God. Keep that relationship with God. Prayer's the key to ministry. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah then we notice his suffering in verse 3. It says, Then Daniel distinguishes himself above the governors and the satraps, because an excellent spirit was found in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. You know, jealousy is a terrible thing. And uh, especially jealousy on the job. You know, the world works that way. We used to have this woman when I worked for the newspaper. We called her Mousy. Because she would always pick up on anything that she could go and tell the boss about to make herself look good, to make us look bad. That's why I'm repenting about Friday. i got to go apologize to this guy. I should have said Nothing. Jealousy is a terrible thing. And I know I didn't do it out of jealousy, but I still shouldn't have done it. But how many times on the job you got someone just because you're doing the job a little bit better than they do it or you're putting in a little more time or you're getting a little more praise or something. Oh man. It becomes a rat race out there. And that isn't bad, but we don't want ever to come into the church. Don't ever let it come into the church. We're not in competition with one another in here. We're workers together with God. And if we find someone that's doing an outstanding job, praise God. Go up and pat him on the back saying, Glory, brother, I'm glad. Amen? We don't want ever to have jealousy in the church. We want the greatest workers that we can possibly get. We want them filled with the Holy Ghost. We want them working for God. And And if they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, praise God. But don't get jealous over it. Hallelujah. One thing, and I'll tell you why I'm mentioning this. It's not because it's in here already. But I know how the devil works when revival begins to start. And that's right where he's going to start. Mark my words, that's where he's going to start. You know, when we're warned of something, we're wise if we take heed, Right? So when the enemy comes up and whispers in your ear to say something against a brother or sister in the assembly, know where it's coming from. It's the first place the devil's going to work. I got off my sermon, but I think I needed to say that. And he was undoubtedly being persecuted here because of envy. Uh, And their scheme seemed to be successful. Looked like Daniel was going to lose his head, didn't it? Daniel was condemned to the lion's den. And there's, this is one of the real strong proofs of the authenticity of this book. Because the capital punishment for the Medes and the Persians was two things one was to have them executed by throwing them into a lion's den, and the other was by throwing them into a fiery furnace. And that's exactly what it says in the book here. This was a crisis in Daniel's life. How would you like to be sitting on death's throw just because you prayed? Here you are sitting at death's door. They're going to take execute you. They're going to throw you into the lion's den. If you knew that when you went to your knees tonight, someone was going to turn you in and you were going to be executed tomorrow morning, would you still go to your knees? That's how sold out Daniel was. He never wavered in his faith. And God tells us in his word, the man that wavereth, Don't let him think that he's going to get anything. But Daniel never wavered. That's why he had such power with God. He just would not bend. He would not burn, and he wouldn't be eaten by any old lion either. What a powerful man he was. More than that, how powerful his God was. And so we see a deliverance taking place here in starting with verse 20. Let's go back to 18. I I like this. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den he cried out with lament, uh, lamenting in his voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying, Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Can't you hear him crying it out there? I mean, he's been up all night. He's been fasting He wouldn't listen to the musicians. He wouldn't have uh, anything. uh, uh, He was was just so worried about Daniel. And the next morning he goes out there, Daniel, Daniel, you who served the living God, was your God able to save you? He's worried about, not, not because he's worried about Daniel, he's worried about losing the good worker. You know? Hallelujah. Verse twenty-one. Then Daniel said to the king, "King, live forever! My God has sent an angel, and they shut the mouths of the lions, so that they w- they have not hurt me, because I was found innocent before uh, him. And also, O king, uh, I have done no wrong before you." Then the king was exceedingly glad for him. And commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the lion's den. Hallelujah. This was a new experience for Daniel. I mean, he hadn't been there in that lion's den before. He went into that lion's den in faith that God was going to deliver him. And while his enemies were rejoicing, they were out throwing a throwing a party that night and the king who knew he'd done something stupid was lamenting over it I can see Daniel sound asleep you know the Bible says that he gives his beloved sleep amen Peter was a lot the same way Herod was going to take his head and he's in a prison chained between two, two guards and he's sound asleep. And an angel comes in and has to kick him to get him awake. <laughs> he wasn't the least bit worried of the outcome. Here he is on death row. In fact, he's thrown into the lions that he, then he's supposed to be disposed of. and I think he got a good night's sleep because the angel of the Lord came in. The only one that lost sleep was the king. You know, God will vindicate the faith of his beloved. If you'll just hang on in faith whenever the enemy comes against you, God will vindicate you. Amen. Amen. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above everything that we might even think. Amen? Then we notice the faith of Daniel here in verse 23. Then the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatsoever was found on him because, here it is, because he believed in his God. Isn't that neat? Because he believed in his God, nothing, no injury at all was done to him. Hallelujah. Because he believed he's God, he trusted God, and you know someone said, "He who honors, he who believes in God honors God, and him who honors God, God will honor." Hallelujah. The secret of Christian victory is to is to uh, come through uh, the trial because of our oneness with God. That's the secret. You don't overcome in your own strength. You overcome because you're one with Jesus Christ. And we've got to be so... It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. And that's got to become a truth. Paul said, for me to die is gain. To live is Christ. When you get such a hold on that truth that you realize it's not me, I've, stopped to ex- I've, sto- I, I've ceased to exist. It's now Christ living in me. Then we have the same power that Daniel had. See, it wasn't Daniel, it was Christ. It was the power of Almighty God. It was the Spirit of God. It was the angel of the Lord that shut the mouth of that lion. Hallelujah. The angel of the Lord came and took Peter out of that prison cell. Here's some people over at John Mark's house in a prayer meeting. Boy, talk about a faithful prayer meeting. They were so filled with faith that when Rhoda went to the gate and found out Peter was there, they, she went running back, left him standing out at the gate, and she says, Hey, Peter's at the gate! They said, Huh? <laughs> Couldn't believe it. Hebrews eleven six says, Without faith it's impossible to please God. He that cometh to God must believe that God is and that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Proverbs 16 and 7 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. And 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Your adversary the devil uh, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Friends, That old lion is out there trying to get your son, your daughter. He's trying to devour anyone that he can get a hold of. And it's no different than it was for Daniel. This lion is just as real. And he will maim, he'll kill, he'll destroy. He's out there to get our kids, you know that? And how are we going to overcome this lion? By faith. By faith. Hallelujah. Faith, not just faith and faith, but faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus is our only defense. Did you know that? When you. Get into trouble. Trust God to close the old lion's mouth. Don't try to fight the devil in your own strength. You'll lose. Hallelujah. And that brings me to the last point. We see the doom for his enemies in verse 24. And the king gave commandment, and they brought those men who had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions. Now watch this. Them, their children, and their wives, and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they even came to the bottom of the den. They hadn't even hit the bottom of the den, and the lion had them. Yet Daniel walked out of there without a scratch. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God will vindicate you. One day God is going to vindicate the Christians of this world. It may look like the enemy's winning right now, but I'll tell you, he's a loser. I've read the end of the book. (laughs) We win! Hallelujah, we win! Amen. Hallelujah. I think of another occasion where where the enemy was... Trying to do something like this, trying to get rid of one of God's servants, and God turned everything around. You remember in the Book of Esther, Mordecai, servant of God, An old Haman built a gallows. Going to hang Haman, uh, going to hang Mordecai on the on the, on the gallows. <laughs> Guess who got his neck stretched? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, the devil's out to get us, but guess who's going to be the loser? Hallelujah. He's the loser. Hallelujah. There's a song that says, if God be for us, who can be against us? I I wish I remember. I don't remember all the words to it. But it's also in in the Bible. If God be for us, who can be against us? Remember that. If God's for us, and he is, who can stand against the living God? Well, King Darius realized that, and look at the testimony that was written here. To all people, nations, and languages that dwell on the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every uh, dominion of my kingdom men trust trembling and fear before God of, the God of Daniel, for he is a living God, and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed." And his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. That's a heathen king that wrote that. Hallelujah. I want to close by saying this tonight. Maybe the lion's been out to get you and he's been roaring. Maybe you found yourself in the pits and you feel like, oh, any minute he's going to devour me. Well, I want you to take courage. Because if you'll have faith in Jesus, help is on the way. Help is on the way. Hang in there. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Don't get tired. Don't get uh, sidetracked. Don't let anything bother you. Stick in there for God. God has a work for us to do, and we're, we're able in the power of Jesus Christ to do it. God has just begun to do the work in this city. But you know what? I've got some of the best problems any pastor could have. Where do I put more people? (laughs) I, I don't know. Where do I put more people? I need a restroom downstairs to cut down on the traffic. Well, someone said to me, if you tell the people what the need is and they begin to pray about it, the money will come in and we'll build a a restroom down there. All right, I'm telling you. We need a restroom down there. And we're going to set up a building fund just for that restroom. And I want you to pray about it. Wouldn't you like to see all this traffic cut down to almost zero. The only ones going back there would be the ones going to the nursery and uh, that kind of thing, during service. Wouldn't that be nice? Not to have our our little ones have to come up during, during Sunday school period. They could go down there. George is going to start work on, on, uh, on, on pricing this thing out. Bert's going to start work on... Pricing the thing out with him, how, how much lumber we're going to need, how, how we're going to have to design it. Amen. Hallelujah, We're going to have a restroom down there. We're gonna ha- There's something else we're going to do. We're going to build another classroom down there. We're going to build two of them. Two of them. But God has got to supply the money. Well, the enemy would say, you can't do that. You don't have all that kind of finances. You got a small church. And he, he gives you every excuse in the world. But I'll tell you, we're going to do it. Amen. We, we've exhausted the building fund a long time ago. Well, it will be after, after Tuesday. $500 for uh, that, that kind of ought to take care of it. I don't know what it's going to cost us, but are you behind me? Then I want you to pray, and I want you to ask God. But them are nice kind of problems. Sunday school superintendent, aren't these nice kind of problems we're having? Don't you love it? You know, God is so concerned about our Sunday school. He sent a teacher all the way from Pennsylvania this morning that's the truth, isn't it? Alice was sick, and and, uh, Shirley came in and taught a class this morning. (laughs) God knows what you need. and If he can send a teacher from Pennsylvania, he can sure send the money we need now, can he? Amen. We're going to close with prayer, and then uh, I don't know how many of you are going to go to the Dunkin' Sip and try to see if we can take over the living room again or the dining room there again but I enjoy fellowship afterwards and as soon as that kitchen and stuff is finished up there I'd like to have different ones take, uh, take a turn in ministering in, in setting up something up there so that on Sunday nights they kind of kind of it's like going to a restaurant but different ones have taken taken the the burden and, uh, and, and taken their turn going up there and and fixing fixing up the refreshments and stuff to have up there, and we can have fellowship up there. That's what a fellowship hall is for. Amen. Men's breakfast. We're 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 go- we're gonna we're gonna cook a breakfast. Different men are gonna take different turns. We're gonna first thing we're gonna do is we're going to dedicate that kitchen by cooking. The men are all gonna get dressed up like like waiters and, and cooks and so forth, and we're going we're going to. Serve the women. We're going to have a spaghetti dinner. Good idea? Amen. Amen. We're going to put on a spaghetti dinner. And then, then uh, for, for, for men's breakfast, we're going to take turns cooking for one another up there. And we're going to have one of these here where you invite a friend. Invite a friend to breakfast and we can, we're going to see if we can't get more men in this church. Hey, that's how you win men to Jesus. They have what they call a kingsman, and, and their job is it, it's, it's, it's kind of reaching out to different men in the community, trying to draw them in. We can do that. We can invite men to breakfast. We can have testimonies. We, we can have uh, the word preached. We, we can do the same thing here as, uh, and have them come in and be a part of our church, can't we? We can use it as a tool of evangelism. Hey, we didn't, we didn't uh, spend all that money up there for nothing. We're going to use it now. Amen? But tonight, after prayer, we're going to take over Duncan's Sip. So if those that want to, want to go, uh, we'd love to have you come along for a fellowship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. George, would you like to close with prayer?